Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and this is the 100th episode of the podcast. So happy to have gotten to 100 episodes. Really didn't know how long this would take, but we are at 100 episodes. And in this special 100th episode, bringing back my best friend, Zach Evans, and we're talking about how he finally reached a million dollars of revenue in his business. It only took like three years, which is insane. How he looks at PR, he's focusing a lot on PR right now, hiring PR companies, his experience with a marketing company. For the first time, he actually had a marketing company um, help, help him with his business. He had been doing all of it by himself before, so go through that as well. How he looks at his content strategy, growth for the future, and so much more. Plenty of laughs, plenty of jokes in this episode. I hope you enjoy. As always, the show notes are justgogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show by leaving a rating and review. Finally, The Grind, which was my community I had just launched in December of 2019. Applications are now open. It'll be closing in January, then reopening up again. The applications are now open, and The Grind is just a com- community, a curated community of entrepreneurs, creators, go-getters, and digital and in-person, helping people build their businesses, get ideas, get inspiration, make more of an impact together. And something I've been wanting to orchestrate, put together for a matter of months, and I'm finally launching it. Go to justgogrind.com slash the dash grind, or you can find it from the homepage as well. But the grind is now available, now open for applications. Check it out. Without further ado, in this 100th episode, we have Zach Evans back for round two. Zach, welcome to the show. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Man, round two. It's been like a year and a half since we first attempted even to do the (laughs) podcast and it got deleted, if you remember that. Yep. Man, and it's kind of insane to think about like how much has happened since then with uh, obviously your stuff progressing. You've done a lot of different things since then. Uh, And then the NBA with, with me as well. So like so many things have happened. That's why I want to have a round two. Also, just chat every day anyways you might as well just record another episode and this will be the hundredth episode of the just go grind podcast nice i get the triple digit spl- slot man one no complaints <laughs> which is awesome um and what i want to start with for this episode is you know recently you passed like a million dollars in total revenue for the business thoughts on that yeah it was definitely one of those goals you have you know from a long time ago and you're just slowly you know when you're getting close you're like oh wait i'm close to a million dollars so it definitely feels cool for sure for sure yeah and with that too i mean was that a clear goal like okay i want a million dollars by xyz time um it kind of progressed in that into that position like i'm curious as to like what how that worked with you in terms of getting to that goal no it was always a monthly revenue goal for me okay just because i figured okay it doesn't really matter how much total money you make it more so matters how much are you making per month um, and then, but as it got closer, then it definitely became a goal that I actually set out to achieve once I started figuring out, Hey, Hey, this is actually doable. Yeah. And with that too, then you've done a lot of different things, like I said, since then, and you've, where I want to go with, with that. So you've done like PR, you've done a podcast, you've done all these different things with the PR thing. How did you approach PR and getting more press for your business? Because obviously a lot of this has been like self-funded by like ads and everything like that. And then you eventually decide to go the PR route. Like, what was your approach to take to go that route? Yeah, so basically I kind of figured out that up until that point, um, my entire credibility was basically based on my content. It was like, okay, here's a lesson, here's a content. You can try it. If it works for you, then you'll buy my course. Like that's kind of the mindset I had. And for a big segment of the market, that is how it works. And when I personally buy stuff, that's how I work. And I'm like, hey, if I try this and if it works, then I'll buy the full version. But that being said, there's a lot of people out there that need more credibility to make you quote unquote legit than just trying out a video lesson and seeing that it works. So I kind of realized at that point, okay, I need to start doing things that, that give me better, better cred. And PR was one of those things. Yeah. And like in the lifeline of the whole business then, so you start with the ads and then what actually, I know there's these different things, like you could do so many different things in a business at any point in time. Was it just like your business had gotten to a point where you had enough growth, you, you're like, okay, well, what's the, just the logical next step is going to be PR or like, were you considering something else before you kind of went this press PR route or what, what'd you do with that? Yeah. A lot of it stemmed from the ads I was running. Um, basically when you run ads, you can spend a certain amount of money and the more money you spend in a sense, the more money you make, cause you make more revenue off the back end. But that being said, the more money you spend on ads, you also 
your cost per lead goes up basically because you're expanding the circle farther and farther from your niche target market, the more money you spend. Um, and I got to the point where I'm spending as much money I can on ads. And the only way to be able to spend more money on ads is to increase my conversion rate on the back end. Because then if I'm making more revenue per customer, then I can increase my ad spend on the front end and it still makes sense. Yeah. And so that was one of those things that would obviously feel that which is having more press and PR as a build your whole credibility for everything you're doing in the business. Um, and then with that too, the podcast, I know you started a podcast relatively recently. How did that fit into the equation of the business? And how did you look at that in terms of what you want that to be for the company? Yeah, I primarily want that to be like a relationship building tool. Um, I'm not really looking at it as a traffic generation source. Like maybe some people will find me through the podcast, but it's more so, okay, I have all these people who signed up for my free course that I want them to really know me as a person. And it's harder to do when people are watching videos because when you're watching a video, you could be doing anything. Right, you could be getting stuff, other stuff done you need to get done. You could be shopping for groceries. You don't have time to watch a video, but with audio content, you can do it while you're driving to work. You can do it while you're walking your dog. So giving people that option to consume content in that way uh, was a big factor for sure. Yeah, and you wanted that to be a relationship building thing. So you ended up interviewing your students. How, yeah. I mean, how many did you reach out to? I mean, how many have said yes to this? And like, how did those interviews go then? Yeah, I basically blasted it <laughs> out to my whole list. And I wasn't expecting to get that many back because I figured a lot of people would kind of be shy about it. But I got like 300 people that want to be oh, interviewed. Dang. And I was like, okay, this is going to be way too many. <laughs> That's a um, lot. That's and a it basically narrowed it down. The form I had people fill out was kind of like, what do you want to share? What's your story? And I tried to get people with really compelling stories, uh, people that have very specific situations, like maybe they started piano as a late learner or maybe... Um, there's a certain age or a certain demographic that made it tougher for them and really focused in on those kind of interviews. Yeah. And it seems like for literally any business who has customers already has been around, they can use that same strategy and just interview their customers and like tell those stories, the customers that have used their products, because I imagine as like, if I'm looking at a company and they have all these like, podcasts about all these different things, these people who have succeeded with what they've done or their product or service or whatever, you're so much more likely to buy from them because <laughs> you're like, Oh, like, Oh, Jane and Joe and Mark and whoever, they all said it's amazing. And they have the interviewed. It's not just like a one, like little, like review on Yelp or something like it's way beyond that with the podcast. Yeah. I a hundred percent think it's, it's super powerful because it, you know, it's one thing you telling people, yeah, my product's great. Buy it. It's like, well, of course you're going to say that, you know, <laughs> but when they hear that from other people, like, Hey, I'm not just saying that here's somebody who took my course, they tried it, they've had success, they're vouching for it. And then, you know, in a podcast form, you could do a ton of episodes. So you could have 20 episodes of different people, like basically telling their story that your course is really good. So from the social proof standpoint, it's huge. I also think it's huge from a learning standpoint and actually creating good content just because <clears throat> there's a lot of people out there that they can see the top of the mountain and they're currently at the bottom of the mountain. And maybe you as the teacher are already at the top of the mountain. So it's hard for them to see the entire path up, but if they can see, okay, here's somebody else who's still pretty beginner, but they're like a hundred yards ahead of me. Yeah. And here's somebody else who's like midway up the mountain. Here's someone that's three fourths and they can see the whole path. And I think it helps people learn that way when they can see every step of the process going up. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because it brings me back to even like some guest speakers we have in class at USC and like, okay, so we have some massive, like really ridiculous speakers like Evan Spiegel founded Snapchat, uh, Travis Kalanick founded Uber, came in to speak to class. That's and so, pretty huge. So you're like, you're like hearing them and you're like, wait a minute, they're like multi-billion dollar companies, they're billionaires. It's almost, it's almost difficult, unreachable, like the, the smallest 0 0.01, 0 0.00, whatever, 1% will even get to that level. It is almost difficult to fathom it. Like people want to see that, that are interested in hearing those stories because they're so interesting. They're like, oh, like, wow, how did they grow from like wherever they were at? Like on Travis Connick was like, I think sleeping in like parents' basement or something like on like while he built a different company before Uber even. Uh, and you see this like climb of them, which is like fascinating. But at the same time, as an entrepreneur starting out or like even someone who has a small business, they're like, that seems like unreachable. Yeah, I think too sometimes it's like, and you start thinking, okay, maybe they're at the right place at the right time, or maybe yeah. they had some kind of weird advantage that I don't have, you know? So yeah. it is hard. It is kind of disheartening. You're like, dang, like they're way ahead of me. But if you can kind of see everybody 
that's in between, I think, you know, yeah, then yeah, it's... I think, yeah, that's like with even with like the, just so grind, like the podcast. I mean, we've had people, people on the show have been like, you know, $100 million revenue company like Vanessa do with HealthAid. Um, and yeah, someone who's like a coach making maybe 100K or like 50K in their business, but they're still obviously entrepreneur like, and then every and kind of everything in between. Um, and I, like, I love showcasing the variety for that exact reason. Like you're showing different stages of people in uh, your piano courses because then people can, oh yeah, this is like, this is what they're like when they're first getting started. When they've actually learned some things and like when they're like Zach level mastery, and, you know, <laughs> all, these, all these different things. I think it's helpful for people in a business to like be able to see those different levels. Um, and with your company too then, as you've grown it, I mean, this has been like, how many years now? Like three and a half about. Three and a half years, as you've grown this thing, I mean, you've gotten more and more customers. I mean, how do you look at just in general kind of other avenues for growth, whether that be, you know, like more products for your current customers, getting new customers, it's kind of a mix of that. But how do you look at growth for your company now, three and a half years in? Yeah, I've definitely thought a lot about this. Um, and I think the biggest thing I need to do is basically increase uh, revenue per customer because like there's a couple of things I've been doing, like posting more organic YouTube videos, right? And those, every video I post is going to get more people coming to the course, but it's a very like slow churn, you know, like long-term play, which is great, but it's not going to take me from a million to a hundred million, you know? Um, and then ads is kind of the same way. I can still run more ads, but I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm not going to get my cost per lead down anymore. So the only way is to get my, my revenue per customer, per customer up, which is why I'm doing all this stuff with press and, um, getting more credibility. And then in the future, the big, the big benefit to that too, is if you can get your conversion rates up, it benefits everything. So, you know, your free traffic coming in, everybody's going to convert at a higher rate. Um, your, your paid traffic, people convert higher rate. And a new thing I want to do too, is, is joint ventures, which I've done one so far <laughs> and it worked really well. And I'd want to keep doing that because if you can find somebody else who spent, you know, 10 years building their email list up, and then they're like, hey, I really like your product. Let's go 50-50 on a commission. It just makes sense. It's like it's like an instant boost to your business. Yeah, and how are you approaching? I know that's something you're going to be doing more of in the future. Like, How are you looking at that in terms of like who to partner with? I mean, what types of products potentially? I'm just curious about that too. Yeah, so first thing I want to make sure, obviously, that it's someone who I really like their product. Uh, I think it's a huge mistake <laughs> to just blast your list out to, to any old product because you can very quickly make people not trust you. And that's, I mean, that's, yeah, you can make some short-term cash probably, but in the long run, it's going to hurt you. Um, so it has to be obviously a, a product you're interested in. And there's actually a lot of stuff in the piano niche that I could do just because, for example, I don't have a jazz piano course. I don't, and I know there's a lot of jazz piano courses out there. So it's just a matter of going through, finding one that I actually think is good and then contacting, contacting that person, which is another big benefit to the podcast because now I can contact somebody and say, hey, come on my podcast. It has a lot of hits. And then get them on a podcast, build a relationship with that person, and then say, hey, I really like your course. Would you be willing to do some kind of um, commission deal on it? Yeah, and I imagine like it's just a matter of how creative you can be with reaching out to people and finding products and finding services that align with your current brand and your current customers and just thinking of, you know, how can you add more value to the customers you already have? I mean, there's like in any way that's even like adjacent that like, oh, they need help with this. Maybe they need help with this. Like there's so many things. It just like, seems like you can just be creative. Like it could be anything. And that's the thing is like, there are some customers who will never buy from you. Sure. They just don't like whatever. They don't like your teaching <laughs> style. Like they don't like, don't like your jokes. <laughs> yeah. They don't like my jokes. Like what's well, funny because so on YouTube, you know, you always get some negative comments on YouTube. Trolls. Yes. And the biggest one is people saying, dude, like, lay off the coffee. You talk too fast. Like you're too hyper. But then I also get the other side of a lot of people who say, that's the only reason I chose you as a teacher is because yeah. you keep me motivated. So I'm like, okay, like I'm not going to change my style. Like I actually get excited about this stuff. So the people who don't like my style, okay, let me give you somebody who fits more with your style then, you know, I want to, and that way I'm helping you. I'm also making money. It's a win-win and I'm helping the person whose course I truly believe in on the other side too. So, yeah, it's funny. Like, how did you approach that? Or how did you look at that when it was early on and you're like getting some reviews and like some people, you know, saying stuff and you're like not quite as comfortable maybe with what your business is and what you're doing. How did you deal with that? Yeah, it was definitely a little bit like you definitely read the comments and <laughs> it hits you a little bit, you know, even though it's some random person that who cares, you know, it still for some reason does hit you. But 
Uh, luckily, I kind of read um, in some marketing book or something. They were saying, like, it's better to be polarizing and have some people hate you and some people love you than to be a middle. Because middle people don't buy. If people are like, ah, Zach, he's an all right piano teacher, those people aren't going to buy a course. And those people, I'm not going to really be able to help. The people who are like, I love Zach, I love his content, I'll buy everything he has, those people are my target customers. And then the people who's like, I hate Zach, like, I don't care about those people anyway. So I'd rather have 20% of the people love me and 20% of the people hate me and everybody else is in the middle than having everybody at just this kind of like lukewarm temperature. Yeah, and it sounds like a, a Timmy Tim Tim talk talk. Uh, <laughs> Tim Ferriss. <laughs> yeah. Tim Ferriss thing where like, yeah, you kind of want, you want people to be... You almost have to be polarizing to stand out in some capacity, right? I mean, because there's so much competition in any industry and maybe piano is definitely more niche, but still there's competition there as well. And so you do have to stand out. And also just being, you know, being yourself will make it last longer. Like you'll just do it longer. If you're trying, I feel like if you're trying to be fake the whole time, God, that's gotta be fucking exhausting. Oh, I know. You know what I, mean? I don't think, I don't think you can do it long term. <laughs> I think it'd be impossible. Like, I mean, you've had this, you've had the business for three and a half years, but you've been putting videos out on YouTube for like what five plus years like seven if you can count my like me p playing piano not the teaching videos that's like seven years yeah that's insane. so if people think about that so seven years on youtube and then like three and a half years into that you start your business yeah essentially yeah. Mm -hmm. so when people are like trying to look at this quick fix and stuff it's like oh yeah like even like my stuff i look at i obviously follow along your stuff because you know we're best friends since like high school but like looking at my stuff too it's like oh the podcast has been like you know like a year and a half mm -hmm. it's yeah like, i think it really is just that patience because it's like Obviously, the longer you do it, the better you're going to get at it. So you just have to outlast people. Mm -hmm. So enough people quit so that you have more experience than everybody. And then you'll just be on top. You know, that's kind of right. You're one of the 18 players. And yeah, if you can stay alive, you just stay alive and keep going. And I think if, I've had people ask me, like, how do you just like keep going? And it was like, there's no thought of quitting. Mm -hmm. Like, there, it's just like, I guess when you go into it, if you're starting something, you have to know at what, what point maybe you should give up on things. But um, especially if you're starting a, like a podcast, for instance, is on my in my mind. But like I knew in the beginning, like they said it'd take years for a podcast to be successful. So it's like, all right, you just get started and you keep putting it out every week. You try to make it better. You try to have better guests. You try to like find different angles. You test different things out. And in a matter of years, like it just keeps growing and keeps growing. Even if you pick up a couple of listeners every day, a couple more here, a couple more there in person, talk to more people and it just keeps growing, which is your channel. Like you're over like 10 million views for your channel. And it's just because every day more and more people find you, you keep doing more videos, keep trying more things. And like that, like snowball effect, you just eventually get to this point where like, yeah, now you're passing a million in revenue, which is dope <laughs> yeah I, I really do think people give up too soon because it's because people don't realize i think a lot of times they do the first video and it's a ton of work and they're like man i like i had to figure out how to like work the camera mm -hmm. like the software like broke down halfway through like it stopped recording i had to redo the whole thing and it takes so long but then like the second video is not only going to be better because you're going to figure out what you did wrong but it's going to be easier and it's going to take less time and then the next one is even less time and by the time you get to like 50 videos it's just like plug and crank you're just like all right camp like you have all your stuff set up now you know you're not taking out your tripod <laughs> and stuff you just have it there so like all that little stuff gets way easier and you just figure out how to do it better yeah and wasn't your first video lo lollipop yeah little Wayne lollipop <laughs> back in the day that's so that's so hilarious and like you made that video because it was just fun and you wanted to do video for friends and stuff. I remember you mentioned that before. Um, and then you keep going. And like now you're at over, over 100,000 subscribers. Yeah, it is kind of crazy. That first video was like, I want one song. So when I go to a party and play piano, like someone has a piano, I can play my one song. Mm -hmm. People think I'm cool. You know, was like, <laughs> that was like the reason originally I got started. Then like, you're like, oh, okay, I'll do another one. You slowly fall in love with it, you know, but. Yeah, no, that's crazy, man. And one thing too, like being in business now, three and a half years. Um, I mean, what's changed since like the beginning to now in terms of how you approach business, how you look at things? I'm just curious. Yeah, I think it's a lot of taking a deeper look into what I need to be doing, especially like long-term wise. Yeah. Um, where before it was just about getting the next video out and not too much thought into like, okay, how does this fit into the bigger picture of things? How is this a piece of content that, you know, 20 years from now I'm going to be able to use? I think one big mistake I made with my original channel is I did cover songs of songs that were popular at the time. Sure. And it is one strategy because 
if you're one of the first people to cover those songs, you can get out ahead of everybody else on YouTube, get a lot of views quick. But the problem is, I mean, now nobody's watching my Lollipop Lil Wayne YouTube video because nobody is searching for that video anymore. So it doesn't have a lot of like long-term impact. So like nowadays I want to do things where I create amazing content and spend a lot more time on it, make it really good because 20 years from now that could still be bringing me in revenue. Yeah. And how do you look at that then with like the evergreen content that can last versus, you know, riding the wave? Would you say like early on, you kind of almost have to do some of the wave riding and also build every, like, how would you look at that? Cause I know for people starting and for, you know, so I looked at too, it's like, yeah, some of that stuff is short term, but you could also get a huge spike that then could propel you to doing more things, but then you're not building at all long term, so you have to constantly keep up with this. Like, how do you look at that? Yeah, I think it's a balance. I think yeah, you yeah. do have to do some of each for sure, um, because like you do get the nice little spike with the the short term <laughs> stuff that you're like, oh, that felt good, you know. But then yes. I think you know, I, I think it is it is really kind of both. You need the evergreen on the back end. Yeah, you're just like, thank you, Wheezy, for your early songs yeah. <laughs> to help me grow my whole channel, which is now yeah, hundred thousand subscribers. And you also got the the YouTube thing, uh, the plaque, right? Oh yeah, the plaque came that, in. That's so, dope. <laughs> yeah, I know it was, that was definitely a cool little Instagram <laughs> post. <laughs> I remember feed the, my ego yeah. a little bit. You're like, yeah. 100 case of <laughs> subs let me get that thing yeah. um and there's gonna be another one what like a million a million is it every i think so i think yeah, it's yeah. a million did you get any of it ten thousand or no just a hundred thousand no i didn't get a ten thousand wow youtube step your game, yeah, step your game. <laughs> i don't know what color because i think because this one was like silver I think it's gold for a million. So yeah. I don't know, 10,000 be like wood or something. <laughs> Send you like a plastic, plastic, <laughs> plastic plaque. Your first you super jank. Your first subscriber, an email. Yeah. <laughs> That's how the progression goes, man. Yeah. And one thing too, with your business as it's grown, um, I know you've also looked at like hiring a marketing company for the first time. What was that like? <laughs> What'd you learn from that process? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the best experience. So basically um, I hired well, I had three people that I kind of interviewed to hire. One of them was charging like five grand a month just to run the ads. And I was like, I don't even see, you know, they didn't have like great testimonials or anything. Um, and then there's two other people and I went with one of them. He seemed like he knew what he was doing. And then, um, yeah, I, I stayed on with him for a couple months and my ads just weren't really performing. Some of them weren't even spending. And I asked him why. And he was like, oh yeah, you know, we just got to kind of let him run longer, but it was kind of one of those things where, and then I fired him now because it just, it, it wasn't working out. It wasn't yeah. a good fit. Um, but then I also asked, um, one of the guy that I did a JV, uh, launch with, and he has a really successful business. And I'm like, who do you use for ads? And he's like, we tried three different people. None of them worked. So now we're doing them in house. And I kind of feel like for my business and probably a lot of kind of niche information product businesses. Yeah. I think, that's just one of those things that you can't outsource or it's very hard to outsource just because I know my market so well because I was the piano player trying to learn off YouTube. Like that's yeah. how I got started. Yeah. So I knew every single little frustration, every pain point. I knew what I was excited about. You know, I knew what I actually wanted and I don't think a marketer that gives you some template script to use. I don't know if that is ever going to be anywhere close to what I could do myself marketing. Yeah. It's something to be said for being, you know, being your target market. I mean, you just know so much more about it, like you said, and it's like, then you know how to target different, honestly, different pain points and different like things that people, um, aspirations they have, whatever, they can target ads around that. How did you even find though, those first mark? I know they didn't work out, but like, how did you find them? And just Google searching, would you like automatically go to referrals? Like, how did you approach that? Yeah. Two of them were in a group that a Facebook group that I'm in, uh, for marketers. And they reached out that way and I thought, okay, they have some credibility because they're in this group. And the other one I think was just on Google or something. I'm not sure I found the other one. Um, but I wanted someone, you know, specific to selling online courses, that kind of thing. Someone who has a lot of experience. Um, and it didn't work out, you know, maybe I'll try in the future hiring someone else, but I kind of feel like in any business, I think sales and marketing is kind of like the crux of it. Like having a good product, I think morally is the most important thing, but from an actual making money standpoint, I think sales and marketing is actually probably more important than having a good product. And I think it's just something that you, it's hard to outsource that part, uh, at least in the like kind of niche 
kind of thing that I'm dealing with. Well, yeah, and having your product then allows you to build your brand and get repeat customers and like have them buy multiple times as well. So if you don't have good products, like yeah, you can maybe in the short term make it up with sales and marketing, but obviously long term, like people know if your products are shit, they're shit. Like yeah, and you know, it, it's it's hitting me even more now so because I just did a um, recent thing where I'm basically blast out to my list like hey if you guys have had success with the course leave like a video testimonial and i got like a hundred of them which i was super surprised i was going to get that that much feedback but then you start thinking okay a hundred video testimonials like you can't get that unless your course works right so if you don't have a good product you're not going to be able to get testimonials that's going to make it harder to sell on the back end you know so it all it's weird how sometimes what's like morally right is like typically lines up with like best business practices. Yeah, this is something like Gary Vaynerchuk says, like doing the right thing is always the right thing. Yeah, like, <laughs> it like always ends up being the right move in the long term, you know? Yeah, I think it's it's tough though, because like you always, like, I feel like you're always trying to find advantages or hacks or like, we're like, oh, what is the thing I could do? And it's like, okay, build a great product <laughs> that helps people and then market the shit out of it and like, there you go. Oh, and especially I get all these ads on Facebook and Instagram for these different like marketing courses and stuff and they all have some kind of secret hack formula thing and i'm just like there's definitely part of my brain that's just like i want to know what this is but then at the same time i'm like okay it's probably just going to be the same bs you know you've heard from a lot of scammy marketers and stuff like that so yeah it's just like yeah you just have to do the work and yeah keep, and keep doing it over and over and then be patient enough um yeah, be patient enough to know that, like, yeah, I trust it. And then, like, yeah, if you're always trying different things, though, uh, or, like, doing some of the same things, just giving it time to actually work, like, it just, oh, it's so annoying now. Yeah. <laughs> it just takes so much time. It takes so much time to build something uh, worthwhile, but you figure it out. And obviously, like you said, you know, the three and a half years you're building your YouTube channel, you know, at first it was just kind of a fun thing, but then, you know, more serious about it uh, at that point, too. But, I mean, three and a half years, it's just, it just, it's just one of those things where people don't think about that. I have to come back to it because I think especially when you're uh, just starting a business or even thinking about it, it's like, oh, this thing's going to be good in like a couple months. You're like, maybe not. Like there's different, different business models, but especially in like the content game and like this type of thing are in years. Like, yeah. Years. And it, to be honest, like I'm glad I didn't know how long it was going to take before I started because I might not have started if I knew like, oh, it's going to be like seven years since I launched my first video. Mm -hmm. Granted, I wasn't really like building the business at the time, but still. Yeah. Um, but I think it's like, dang, if I would have known that, like known that up front, like maybe I wouldn't have gone through all the work to, to do everything. Yeah. Maybe you would have tried some different shortcuts on something else. Like and at the same time, it's like, I feel like it seems long-term, but then it's not really that long in the grand scheme of things. Like three and a half years, like compared to the rest of your life, like that's like a small blip, you know, but at the time it seems like a lot. Well, right. And then you think about this though, it's like three and a half years and then obviously time to time to build the actual course and then time to launch it and do all that stuff. But then like, bro, you're not even 30. <laughs> you're just like living your business. And then you tell people that you're like, Oh, I get it. So like, even if someone like, even if someone's older, it just, it doesn't matter. Cause what, if someone's 40 and they start something, then they're like, what, they're 43. Yeah. Like 43 or like, 44. Like you still got like a good 40 years yeah, left. Right. Like, like, like man, with technology and stuff, who knows? Like, I could be, live to be a like hundred, 120. And they're like, okay. And so it takes three years and it's always goes, Oh, kind of always in my mind goes back to that thing of like, you wish you would have started sooner. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And like, I think people get kind of, uh, they get crushed by like the thought of like how long it might take or like, Oh, it's not the perfect thing. But in observing you in these, you know, hundred episodes of the podcast, the 10, uh, episodes plus of the you know, startup 2.0 for spark and interviewing all these entrepreneurs and talking to so many founders and stuff. It's like, it, you just get started mm -hmm. and you just take those first few steps and then things, great things happen and you'll pivot along the way. And, you know, maybe some people want to go the VC route in terms of like raising funds for the company, which is totally fair, especially now considering how good of an economy it is and like how relic, not easy, but easier it is to raise money. Now I understand people going that route and certain business models it require, you know, more funding, but it's just like, yeah, you just get started, man. I mean, mm -hmm. I know we, we talk about this theme uh, again and again, but, um, it, it's like, you get started, you pivot, you find different ways, you keep pushing forward. And if you have that mentality of like, yeah, I'm going to build this thing. And uh, you know, sometimes it's like, Oh, you may have to get a job. You may have to like do whatever. Like you were working full time at a company while you're starting your company. I mean, that's like a totally viable thing. And, but, but if you want to build a company, you want to build a business where then you have, you know, flexibility, lifestyle, make more money, your own boss, all these different things. 
you get started, you adjust along the way and you just don't ever stop. <laughs> yeah. And eventually you just outlast the other guy and then, you know, it's, you, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's consistency, you know? Yeah. And, and a little more tactical too. Um, on the content strategy side of things, like at this point, three and a half years in, like, how do you look at content and how you use that to kind of build your business? Yeah. So now it's really focusing on every single second of the content being exactly what the person needs at the time. Where at the start, it's kind of just like, oh, I want to teach this person this thing. Here's how you do it. And you just kind of teach them the lesson. And now it's really thinking about, okay, I'm recording this video. At what point of the video are people going to get bored? At what point of the video are going to people say, oh, I already know this, and then click off? At what point of the video are people, for whatever reason, going to stop watching the video and stop progressing forward? So really figuring out, okay, how do I how do I start the video in a way where they know exactly what they're going to get so they don't click off if the beginning's too easy, you know? Like in some of my older videos, um, some people kind of get on me for like rambling too much when I'm talking, <laughs> um, which I get it, but but it's also because those are a lot of times intermediate people coming in to a beginner's piano lesson. Yeah. So really making it clear, okay, this is for beginners. And then saying, if you already know this stuff, you can skip ahead to this section for intermediate players and really thinking... It's kind of one of those like keep the customer in mind kind of thing. Like what do these people really need? And then seeing how I can make the content, not just the quality of what the content is, but also how it's structured in a way that they can get the most information without wasting time on stuff they don't want. Yeah. It reminds me of like the Amazon thing. Jeff Bezos literally just focusing on the customer, like everything, the customer, what can make the customer happier, make it easier for them. Oh, two day shipping, one day shipping, which is they're doing in LA now. It's like everything focused on that and everything you do. And it's amazing how that can work when you, you put everything all in on that. And like that level of detail in the videos and stuff is something like, I'm sure people don't really think about typically. Mm -hmm. How did you learn that? Uh, a lot of, well, so I found out basically, I was trying to figure out how to get my videos to rank high for SEO wise. Yeah. And there's no like hacks to it. There's no like backlinking when it comes to YouTube. And it's all just watch time. So basically it's, if someone watches your whole video, YouTube says, this must be a good video. Someone watched the whole thing. If someone watches 10 seconds and clicks off, YouTube thinks this video sucks because nobody's watching it. Um, so the whole goal became to get watch time. And then that, what you figure out is, oh, getting watch time is basically equivalent of making a good video from both standpoints. But not only just a good video, but also structured in a way that's good. So people are watching the whole video and really getting a lot out of it. Yeah. And like, yeah, to that point of like, you're learning about that through the algorithm through different, different sources there. I mean, how at this point, cause you're years in the business, so it kind of changes thing. I mean, how are you learning? How are you kind of growing, progressing and like taking in different inputs to then eventually use it to grow your business? Yeah. So I'm based, I'm going through still new marketing courses, new marketing books. I think it's just always good to constantly keep learning, keep updating. Um, I just launched a text autoresponder, which, uh, kind of got the idea from Gary V cause he was doing one. I'm like, let's see if this thing works, you know, like let's yeah. test it out. Um, and then I'm reading this Jeff Walker book on his launch sequence for courses. So it's all just learning and Luckily, learning piano kind of teaches you how to learn. So then you get really good at structuring things and creating little to-do lists. Yeah. And with that too, then with the uh, Gary Vee thing. So he, I know he has his, like his wine text and also some other stuff. Maybe he has maybe a couple different ones at this point. Um, but you saw that and you're like, this is interesting. And then what was your process to then enact it to where the point where now you're actually going to have your own? Yeah. So basically it was first see what he's doing. Um, see what a couple other people are doing in terms of their text autoresponders. Notice there's a lot of video, which makes sense because texts are very short. So if you really want to get content out to people, it makes sense to do a video. So then I was like, okay, how many videos do I need? So I figured out, okay, like I'm going to start with a 10 video launch, right? Spread out over the course of a month or whatever. Um, so then record all those videos, upload them, set them up in, in Entreport, which is the, the CRM I use. And then, yeah, basically create a survey at the end where at the end people get a little survey saying, what did you like? What'd you not like? And then just blast it out to the list, you know, write a couple of emails. Yeah. And with that too. So with the text themselves, so in the text is email, it's a video. Then you are, are they have to click on that. That goes to like YouTube or something, or that goes in the actual text thing. Yeah. They have they to go play. to YouTube. Okay. There are some, uh, text responders that I believe can do it inside the chat, but I think they're a lot more expensive. Yeah. And the big benefit to me of using Entreport is, 
it's integrated with everything else I do. So the same contacts I'm getting their emails, the same people who are watching my videos or signing up for a certain course. So I can tailor later on, once I get more advanced with it, I can tailor the text to like, oh, this person is interested in learning piano technique. I'm gonna send them technique texts, or this person is interested in music theory. So I'm sending those specific texts. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And as you've gone along here too with your business, um, how do you, I know I'm sure it's evolved over time, but how do you unwind, relax, step away? It's different now because I feel like as I've seen you, you're way farther along with your business, like revenue and all that sort of things compared to the early times, but still can be stressful. And of course, but how do you kind of step away and recharge? I'm really bad at that, to be honest. I'm really like, I've really, I remember just sitting there thinking one day, like, what do people do? <laughs> like, what do people do on like a Saturday? They don't have work. They wake up. Like, what do they do? Because I've just always been like focused on either my music or my business. Like that's always been the thing. Um, I've been experimenting with, with going to the beach now and not bringing a laptop and just going there meditating. Wait, I know. wait bro, <laughs> not bringing a laptop. <laughs> that gives me anxiety. I feel like just thinking about that. Yeah. So I've been. <laughs> And I'll just meditate. I'll walk around, listen to like entertainment podcasts, not business podcasts, which you know is usually the, the thing I listen to. Um, and that's been working pretty well. Uh, one other thing I actually want to try is doing some kind of like, like manual labor, as weird as that sounds. And there's a couple apps that I've been kind of like, I just signed up for them where you can, it's kind of like Uber for like working, um, but they don't have many jobs. So I'm kind of figuring out how they work. Uh, but I think just doing something like stocking shelves for like one day a week for like four hours, you know, could be a way to kind of unwind or volunteering somewhere or something like that. You know? Are you looking for just like more mindless things, more just, just anything different from your business? Like what are you looking for from that? Yeah, kind of mindless tasks that, that don't take a lot of mental energy. But I've also figured out getting away from uh, screens. Like I tried video games and video games were really good at helping me not focus on my business because they're so fast paced and stuff. Sure. But I figured out they're kind of activating the same, like, I guess, neural pathways that when I'm building my business, there's still a lot of stress involved. <laughs> there's still like, like very goal oriented behavior, yeah. achieving goals and stuff like that. So I feel like I'm just pumping those same circuits yeah. instead of actually like relaxing. <laughs> so I'm trying to get away from screens and Netflix doesn't really do anything for me. I think just from staring at the screen, I mean, whenever I binge watch Netflix, I always just, I feel more tired after literally laying in a bed for four hours watching some show yeah. than I do if I would have, I don't know, gone for a walk or done something outside. Yeah, I think, man, I feel like trips or like, you know, traveling somewhere or even getting outside in nature, going to the beach, um, you know, hiking in the woods, whatever it may be. I feel like that's, those just, those just seem to be the, the most powerful ways to unwind. If you're doing something like Netflix, and stuff, it just still doesn't seem like. I mean, I, not not knocking that at all. Like, yes, I watch some, very little. Uh, Netflix typically working during it, so it's not truly. <laughs> Got the laptop out on yeah, one of side and the TV on the <laughs> of other. Course. But like, I think like like those things that you don't bring a screen with, you don't bring a TV, whatever, a laptop thing with you. Um, and from talking to a lot of guests too, I think a lot of them have mentioned like the hiking in the woods or going for a walk um, as a way to kind of unwind, recharge, just not just like get away from everything. Um, but also one, I think volunteering would be great for you. I think you could find something that would be like stimulating, but then not like business and it'd be like also like overall helpful in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, it seems like I'm kind of looking at some of that stuff too. We have some volunteering things through USC, through like C4C, uh, which has been fun and just so enjoyable. And afterwards you're just like, wow, that was amazing. Like you get to help people out and like they enjoyed it and then you enjoyed it. So it's kind of a win-win. Um, but that seems like another thing to do as well. But I also think there's something to be said, like if you're just, you're type A, you're an entrepreneur, you want to build stuff constantly. Like we just don't tend to think the same way. And I actually was just talking to one of my classmates and it's funny because we we're talking about winter break coming up here uh, for USC and, and it's just immediately like, yeah, she's saying like, I'm thinking about what I'm going to work on, you know, what, what's the next plan? And it's like, yeah, winter break when people are thinking of like, <laughs> I'm going to go home with family and relax and like maybe chill and like not do anything. And we think of projects to work on big steps in the business, whatever, because it's just what we enjoy doing. And it's definitely not for everybody, but I think if people are interested in starting something and you have these different times, like if you're naturally kind of like tinkering and doing things and like, yeah, why don't you just lean in, lean into that. And even when I say, I ask people about taking breaks and everything, it's just like, 
taking breaks are important to stimulate, but also if you're really enjoying what you're doing, like you just want to do that all the time. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think there's something to be said for just like going for it as well. I don't know. I, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. I think it's like, I think, I, I don't know if it's personality type or if it's just being forced to work, but I think a lot of people that don't like their jobs, it's just a matter of, Oh, you're forced to be here for 40 hours a week. So like, it's tough, you know, but if you're forced to lay on a beach for 40 hours a week, you know, you'd probably get bored of laying on beaches and being like, man, I wish I could do some work now. So I think it's, that's part of it too. But yeah, yeah. I think so, like if you're excited about it, it doesn't feel like work. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, there are things that are stressful. It's like, yeah, if you're excited about it, it's just like, this is what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I, this is like, in terms of your life, you think about what you want to do. Like, this is just the things that I want to be doing. And ultimately, like in terms of like life getting really high level here, but like, like what is life for all these different things? Like, if you're doing the things you want to be doing and like, then great, you've won. Like, mm-hmm. there you go. Like, that's it. Like, uh, that just seems to be the way to go. Um, and with your business too, I mean, what are you looking for? Like, what is kind of next? What are you trying to grow this into? I know I've probably asked that at the last interview, but like, what else is next that maybe we haven't chatted about? Like, what are you trying to take everything? Yeah. The biggest thing is, is getting the, the JV partnerships. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like a, a long-term process. Cause I first want to, kind of redesign my funnel, basically my funnel, which is, you know, all the ads, emails, um, sales pages, all that kind of stuff I've had for like, since I started the business, you know, I just created them and then they're there and they work well, but there's a lot of new things that I have now with the testimonials and the Ted talk and the new press and stuff that I'm like, okay, this is a lot of credibility stuff. I'm not using at all in my funnel. So I want to like kind of redo the whole thing like now I know so much more than I did three years ago. Oh, so let's sure. make this really good. And then I, you know, start running ads to it again. Yeah. I mean, that just makes a lot of sense. It, it all kind of fuels itself and mm-hmm. it just keeps growing from there. And if you weren't doing a piano teaching course, business, et cetera, what business do you think you'd be running or doing? I think I'd be in marketing for sure. Still. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what I'd be doing exactly, but it'd be something with running ads and finding, you know, conversion rates or something like that. Or, or obviously just being a musician yeah. in general and not, not actually teaching a course. Yeah. That'd probably be the other thing. What is it about the marketing stuff that appeals to you? I think it's just exciting because it almost feels like a treasure hunt sometimes, because if you figure out the right ad that leads to the right landing page, that leads to the right lesson that connects with people, which leads to the right, you know, testimonial that proves that, you know, other people have had success with your course, which leads to the correct sales page and you make a sale. If you can figure out a process that gets a high percentage of people to buy, it's like you can spend a lot of money on ads and you can make a lot of money. So it's almost like a treasure hunt of trying to find that perfect funnel. That's going to help people the most, which in turn is also going to make you the most money. So it's kind of like exciting from that standpoint. So you're kind of like a pirate. Basically. Yeah. (laughs) Basically a pirate. (laughs) (laughs) You're kind of just after the tragedy. Like you love the hunt of like, if I can figure this out. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it is in a way kind of like gambling. Like when you're running ads, you're putting money in and you're hoping for a turn on the back end. But it's like, like imagine you're playing like blackjack or slots or something, but you actually have a way where you can win. You know, where you're not going to lose like the casino, you know, statistically, you actually have yeah. different things you can try to make yourself more, more likely to win. But Zach, you can win at the casino. That's true. <laughs> technically, technically you can. <laughs> we played blackjack. I remember going back. I think the first time we played blackjack, I think we lost like 50 bucks immediately. Yeah. I did. <laughs> it was like, wait, this is how gambling works. <laughs> and it was like pretty fast. Like I was thinking, okay, I think we're at like a $5 table. Yeah. So I was like, okay. 50 bucks is my limit, but this will probably last me at least like a couple days in Vegas. You know, it's like 45 minutes later, I'm sitting there with no cash in my pocket. Oh man. It's funny how these life lessons we t- yep. take later on. <laughs> and we have so many, it's funny because we have, we just have so many like, stories about things, but like, as, as you know, you've gone on to, to grow businesses, like it's just a matter of, um, one of me said always kind of pushing forward, but I think because we've been best friends for so long and have talked business for so long, it is that support system too, in place of like, you always can like bounce ideas off of someone having that type of thing as well. is super important. And that's something like, um, at the time this will launch, 
probably already have the application open for the grind, which is the community I'll be running for just go grind. And the reason being, it's like that exact thing. Like not everyone has that, that person that may be an on entrepreneur who's really trying to push the envelope and do things. And I do think that's been incredibly important. Uh, at least my perspective, I'm assuming your perspective as well. Um, that's yeah, been, that's been huge. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you always just like, yeah, whatever issue there is in the business or something like just not being alone in that. I can't imagine trying to go through this with like, out having that other person where you're like someone to talk about ideas with. Cause like if you're not an entrepreneur, you don't under, like, understand this world necessarily. Like you just don't really get it fully. Like mm-hmm. you may have an idea of like, Oh, it's hard. Like, oh yeah. But like you don't really get it unless you've kind of done things or are trying to do things and realize like how hard it can be. Um, so that's something to just be important with that. And like with your business too, with piano, it, we haven't really touched on this side of things. I'm like the piano side of it itself. Someone's trying to learn piano. They come to your business, come to the, you have like a few different things. I feel like piano university. Yeah. It's, it's a little confusing. Okay. <laughs> if you're coming into the piano university, like what would you suggest they do? How they approach like learning piano in the first place? Yeah. So first thing is, is sign up for the free course, which is the piano superhuman course. Uh, if you just type in piano superhuman on YouTube, uh, it'll pop up and there's links yep. everywhere for that thing. Um, and the first video lesson on that really gives a complete kind of overview to how learning piano works and we break it down into, okay, you need good techniques. So the physical side, your fingers are able to move fast enough. And then you need the mental side, which is knowing what notes to play. And then you need the emotional side, which is okay. I can play the notes. I know what notes to play, but I have to actually make it beautiful and make it something people want to listen to. And then each of those kind of gets broken down even further into like technique drills and into play by ear drills and, and music theory exercises and stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of how it works. Yeah. And I mean, is there you say, different drills and different courses within that as well? Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, how did you build that out? Into, I mean, we talked about another other uh, episode we did, but um, in terms of thinking about the learning process itself with your. Yeah. So that's kind of why it's so complicated too, is because the hard part about teaching online as opposed to in person is in person, you can take someone, they come into your lesson and you're like, Oh, you're an intermediate player. You're really good at technique, but you've never learned to play by ear because you're trained classically. Okay. So play by ear. We have to start at the beginner section technique. We can start at the advanced section, you know, but when you are teaching people online, you can't just have one linear course because people come in with different skill sets and different levels at no matter who they are. So you might have somebody who's a beginner on technique, but very advanced on music theory. So they're going to only need the technique section of the course. They might not need the, the music theory section. Um, so it kind of ended up being divided into all these different courses that takes up, like each course starts at beginner level and goes through advanced, but it's only in one specific aspect of piano. Yeah. One aspect of that too, that you've mentioned in some videos, um, like motivation. Where does motivation and inspiration, how does that play a part into learning piano? Yeah, so most piano teachers, well, pretty much all good piano teachers, (laughs) if you ask them, like, what's the biggest issue you run into with students? I mean, it's simply practicing consistently. I mean, even even if you had, like, a very mediocre piano teacher who just kind of, like, knew the standard stuff and gave you the books and stuff, if you just actually practiced that consistently, like, you would become a good piano player, you know? But the hardest part... And especially when it comes to teaching online lesson is actually getting people to just sit down at the piano and actually practice. So a lot of what I do in my videos is focus on motivating people first, getting them excited. Then you show them the process, the journey, and you say, Hey, look, you're excited to learn. Here's where you're at at point A. Here's how to get to point B and then taking them through that process to get from point A to point B. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's insane and to think about that. Like that's everything like having that motivation so you can be consistent mm-hmm. and like, whether it be continually pumping them up and finding different ways to make it easier for them to practice so they can just keep practicing or like, you know, there's just, even with business, it's the same type of thing with business. Like being a consistently working in business like mm-hmm. over and over and over again through the ups and downs, which the same thing for piano. Oh, you get stuck on whatever notes you can't play or combinations. You see Zach do it like, what the hell? Like there's no way I can <laughs> do that. But then you walk them through because I've seen different aspects of your course and then you walk them through the videos and stuff. It's like, yeah, you just break it down. Oh, you can't do this. Practice the same thing over and over and over again. That muscle memory kicks in. They progress. Oh, now I get it. Okay, now we're going to the next step. Like just over, like just that progression as well. I mean, it's just so important for for anything your your business especially. Yeah, and I think because I was obviously very into the piano 
teacher niche even before I started the courses when I was just teaching in-person lessons. And there really is like you figure out there's like two types of piano teachers. There's there's one type who see their responsibility as just telling people what to do. And if they don't practice, it's like, well, that's your fault. You didn't practice. And then there's the other type, which which is the teachers who say, okay, it's my job and my responsibility as a teacher, not only to tell them what to do, but to help them practice. So if they're not practicing, that's my responsibility as a teacher. Okay, how can I motivate the student to practice? Because that's at the end of the day, me getting them the result of playing piano. That's part of the equation. It isn't just, you know, the, the information. So it's, I don't put that all on the student. I try to say, okay, some of that's on me. I have to figure out a better way to motivate. How did you learn that? Part of that was honestly just <laughs> when I first started teaching lessons, I, I did not understand that concept. And, you know, you just have a lot of students quit and you're like, I'm telling you what to do. You're just not. And you get mad. But then you realize it's not about like being right or wrong or like I'm right. He just didn't do what I said. And it's not a confrontational thing. It's OK. How can I improve the situation to make it better for both people, which it's better for me to re retain students. It's better for students to be retained and actually you know, <laughs> actually learn the material and actually get the result they're looking for, which is the ability to play piano. And you taught lessons in person first, right? Yep. Do you think you could have done online without the in-person first? I think it would have been a lot harder. I think, I don't think it would have been nearly as successful as it is now just because there's things you forget people don't know after you've already learned. And the only way to re -remember, remember those things is going back and teaching someone is like, oh yeah, I know what a major chord is you know i forgot that i didn't know what that was because it's been so long or, or whatever it is or i forgot hands together coordination was so hard you know nowadays it's just like you sit down yeah my left and right hand just work together but back in the day that was like a huge struggle that people go through how do you remember those things then like now as you create stuff about thinking about the beginner's mind as you're clearly not a beginner you're very advanced at this point how do you think of that like people who are at that stage as you create things now yeah, I've just, I taught so many in-person lessons back in the day that yeah. it got to the point where it just, I feel like I, I've gone through enough students that I kind of just remember it. Yeah. And I, I know we've, uh, obviously this is business entrepreneurship focused for the most part, but also kind of the all encompassing, uh, thing about who these people are, who come on the show and everything. What I'm wondering too, on the music side for exactly the musician, what do you focus on right now? Yeah. So the next step is to really build out, uh, whole ad funnel for my music and basically that's kind of what i was talking about before of really having to create evergreen content so now i'm really focusing on okay i need to create covers of classic songs that 20 years from now people are still going to be singing don't stop believing and like you know all these other songs that were classics way back in the day let's create covers of those songs instead of covers of you know songs that are popular for two minutes and then you know a month later nobody talks about them anymore um and then the next step after that is really building out ads to run to them because I think trying to do it organically for, through music is, is just tough. I think it's tough to do without, without ads. I mean, I'm on the music side of it. Like what is, what is the goal for that on the music side? Cause your business is doing great. And the music, like obviously YouTube channel, hundred, hundred thousand subscribers, whatever there's like, what is the goal for you as a musician? Yeah. The goal, what I told my friend is, uh, I want to be able to pack out a small venue. Okay. Just for the, more so for the experience than, yeah. than anything. Like I, you know, I got into music to be a musician. I think most musicians get into music to, to play shows, to do stuff like that. And I think it'd be so fun, even if it's a small venue of a hundred people, but be able to pack it out. So like you have like a hundred people cheering you on, screaming your name, that kind of stuff. I think it'd be <laughs> just sick. And would that be as you playing piano with other people around playing on the different instrument? Like what would that be? What do you yeah, think? it would be collaborations. I think, okay. um, just because. I love playing solo piano stuff, but to be honest, I'm not, I wouldn't want to do a whole show of solo piano stuff. I think, I think it'd be boring to the audience. I think I would get bored after a while. I like doing more creative things and bringing in violin players or singers or, you know, that kind of stuff. So or, or, like basically organizing a show with all these other people, plus you playing violin, but also, I mean, said, of course, piano, but you play violin as well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So would you, would you do both then? Probably. Okay. Yeah. I'm still figuring out the yeah. that side of it. I want to get kind of the marketing set up first, which is actually another reason that I want to do the marketing for my own business myself instead of paying someone else to do it because I want to really get expert level at that. I think I'm good at that, but I think there's another level that I haven't got to yet. And I've heard you talk about this for a while now. 
This is this is end of 2019, soon to be 2020. Yep. Is there a timeline on this, man? Because I want to. I would. I would. Obviously, you'd have at least one person at your show. Anywhere you go, <laughs> <laughs> your boys got you. 99 to go. <laughs> but also, like, what is the timeline of the priority? I'm just curious on when is this going to actually happen. Yeah. So basically, by the end of this year, 2020. Yeah, I want to have the the new funnel for my own business, like the actual piano teaching side of it, done. Okay. And once that's done, it's like, okay, now it's time to go 100% into the the music <laughs> side thing of things. I, I always get roped you back say into that. the business side. <laughs> I always get excited about some new strategy people have or like the text autoresponder or yeah. the podcast or, you know. That's partially my fault. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I give you 100% blame. Definitely, I've definitely <laughs> imagined some things where it's like, Dude, you should do this. You could do this. What if you do this? You're like, oh shit. Yeah. I could do hundred percent. And they're like, back in the business, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so you said before, like, I'm taking a break, and then like I'll yeah. mention like one thing, and I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, bye bye social life. My bad. <laughs> Going back at it. <laughs> um, but I am excited for like the live music side of it because, like I said, you have mentioned it. I mean, you've you've talked about that for a while. As, yeah. As like a goal. It's been too long for sure. Like I feel like in some ways though, it's almost like. You know, we like say MVP and test things out and stuff. Like, I don't know how much of your list is in LA. I don't know if you can look at that or target that, but I'd be super curious to see if you tried to just do a venue and market it with even like a little bit of time, how, like how that would go. I feel like you could honestly MVP this type of minimal viable product. I feel like you could do that type of thing for this and test it once. If you know how you did a deadline, because one time we tried to make a, a, a business in like a week um, yeah, yeah, yeah. back in Vegas, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And like that same concept of like, okay, take a break from your stuff for like one week, two weeks, whatever. In the end of two weeks, you're going to play a show somewhere and see what you could do. That's true. That's I true. I feel like that would be super interesting. And like, honestly, especially like the NBA, like people we met through USC here, because obviously you're hanging out there too. It's like, I feel like you could get even friends be like, 15, 20 with friends, check. And like, it's like 80 people then. Mm -hmm. And even friends of friends, it could be like less than that. Mm -hmm. And you could do a show. Yeah, I sh that's a good point. I could even blast up to my list and just get a feeler and just be like, hey, if I did a show in LA, how many of you guys would be interested? And just see if there's a significant number, you know? Yeah, because just, it just seems like that would be a relatively low, low hanging fruit, low, like not much time away from your master funnel one funnel to rule them all <laughs> of your business side of things. Like it could be like a fun weekend project even to like do it was like a day. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, I'll blast this stuff. I'll check this stuff. Oh, this is what I'm going to do for this. And I, I imagine it might turn into like a much deeper thing <laughs> after we say this, but like, I'm interested in seeing you play live selfishly. So maybe I'm just doing this for my own reasons. Typical. Um, <laughs> but, but also, but also I feel like you could probably even hit that number. Like, next week if you really wanted to yeah that's a good point so what's holding me back zachary yeah I'll, I'll definitely at least send out the feeler email and see how yes. many people respond to that yes <laughs> yes <laughs> that's awesome um to end this kind of wrap things up so this, yeah the second round of uh, the podcast episode number 100 which is just still in, insane you've reached great heights with the million dollars in revenue pursuing a lot of different things um in your business Looking back, is there anything you'd, you'd change? Hmm. I think I'm going to give the kind of generic answer of like, it's fine. I don't think I would because it's led me to the point where I am now. I, I guess one thing I would change is in those three years of uploading um, the, the covers to YouTube that weren't getting much traction. I wish I would have kind of looked at it after maybe like 20 videos and said, hmm, maybe I should start trying something else like, like more teaching videos or more classic covers or something like that. I think from that side of things, I would have probably changed it. Yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty, of course. But, yeah. But it, yeah, I, I, I tend to think the same way of like, it's got me to this point. So I wouldn't change anything, mm -hmm. but also looking at that, it's like, yeah, I tried a lot of stuff that didn't work that if I would have known it wasn't going to work, of course I wouldn't. Have yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's <laughs> you know? true. But, but then you also never know, like what if there's something I learned uh -huh. when I recorded video number 86, that was like, oh, this little trick that yeah. works or something, you know, or video editing. Well, right. Or like even like, yeah, in episode, in video 86, that like in two years, you're going to need to know that lesson from 86. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, then you're like, yeah. oh, shit. I deleted that going back. I screwed myself. <laughs> <laughs> like I screwed myself. 
butterfly effect is real. No, I can see the wings flapping right now. <laughs> Zach, Zach, where can people go online to find you, listen to your music, uh, your, get your course, everything? Yeah, if you go to bestpianotips.com or just go to YouTube and type in Piano Superhuman. That's probably the easiest way. And then what about on the gram? Oh, that's Zach Evans Music. So okay. Z-A-C-H, not K. And then Evans, E-V-A-N-S, and music. Awesome. Zach, thank you, as always, for coming on the show today. Thanks, broski. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate it. If you haven't already, check out The Grind, which is a community where entrepreneurs, creators, and other go-getters can connect digitally and in person to build their businesses, get ideas and inspiration, make an impact, and support others pursuing their dream. The goal of this community when I created is, is really simple. It's to use our collective experiences, skills, connections, and unrelenting ambition to make a bigger impact on the world. And during my time at USC, growing this podcast, attending conferences, I've met so many incredible people and wanted to have a way to connect them, a place where they could reach out to each other, get support, but also then just leverage the skills we have to do more. And this community is exactly that. Learn more at justgogrind.com slash the dash grind. You can also find it from the homepage, justgogrind.com. Check it out. Thank you.